0: Hi, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to Stage Door Medium. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 3, Are You a Believer?, with the star of the upcoming revival of 1776, Alison K. Daniel. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Stage Door Medium. I have the incredible Allison K. Daniel here today. Hi, Allison. Hi. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. So I'm going to read you off because she has so many incredible credits that I, and they're so varied that I didn't want to forget. So I'm going to read you a couple of them. So Allison was not only in Newsies, she was in the national tour of Elf, the national tour of The Color Purple, Ain't Misbehavin', Ghost, the musical, which I have a soft spot for, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Um, <laughs> productions of uh, Sistas, Unexpected Joy. Um, she was in it was um, Tut's production, right, of The Wiz. Mm-hmm. Super cool, and then uh, she's Allison is making her upcoming Broadway debut when uh, Broadway comes back in the upcoming revival of 1776 Oh, that is true. That is happening. <laughs> it's so funny because when I was set up with you to um when I was introduced to you digitally, it was funny because I was like, I keep feeling like there's this Broadway show coming for her. And I'm like, but I'm like in I hadn't read you yet, but I'm like, I don't know if she's aware of it. So I'm like, I don't, I'm assuming I can say something to you. And then, then I I talk with you and you're like, Oh, it's 1776. I'm like, Oh, like no big deal. Like, yeah, she knows. Um, I did know it
1: was, and it was weird because even when I, you know, when I first got it and it was earlier this year and then we still weren't like, we were supposed to go on tour and then start Broadway. So e- even it still felt, you know, a, a long time away anyway, it still wasn't gonna be until 2021 anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been one of the things that's made me feel a lot less just anxious about it. It's like, oh, it already, this is fine. It already wasn't gonna be like the Broadway portion of it wasn't happening until next year anyway, so.
0: Growing up, did you know that theater was it for you, that you were gonna be a performer? Or did this not come until later?
1: It was an interesting thing. I am the youngest of three. My parents had me when they were 38. um, And my oldest sister is 10 years older than me and my mom always jokes and when I was younger I just thought it was not funny but she always jokes. she's like if I had had you first I would not have any more kids (laughs) Um, and it's just because by the time that she had me she was she really was done like she was just like you were so much I did not know what to do with you Um, and my mom you know she's she's very practical both my parents were engineers so when I was young both of my sisters were in choir and my mom was like you need to be in choir with them. I need to have a place where I can drop all of you off at the same time and like, go do what I need to do and blah, blah, blah. And the choir, our church choir, you couldn't actually join until you were five or six, but I was like three. And my mom was like, so listen, (laughs) she needs to be here. She knows all the songs because she just like sit up there with them. Um, And it just turned out that I did. I just was, you know, I like would sing all the songs with my sisters all the time. And um, our choir director, who it was crazy. She actually was the my church choir director was the high school principal of the high school that both of my sisters went to whole whole thing but she was like if she is potty trained <laughs> because she like just did not like dealing with the small <laughs> If <kitchen, because> she's <laughs> potty trained she can be up here um and so i was and then i just like staying in the choir forever and when i was when i was young i didn't know anything about theater but i had like some favorite movies and i did not know why until i got older they were my favorite so my favorite movies were singing in the rain West Side Story, um, anything that the Muppets did because I loved the singing and dancing. And then there was a, there is a movie um, that is basically, you know, the movie Pollyanna, do you know oh, that movie at all? Um, with, ha- is that with Haley Mills? I think so, yeah, the same girl from Paris. Yeah. yeah, there is a all black version of that called Polly that was also done by Disney, that Debbie Allen directed, that Felicia Rashad was in. And like, and I taped it off the TV, watched it all the time. Like it, it's a full on musical. And I the, so those were the movies that I just watched all the time. I didn't know why I loved them, but I loved them. And then I want to say when I turned about nine or 10, my uncle found like a summer program that was a theater camp. Um, and it was at Howard University, which is the school that my parents went to, which is an HBCU in DC, which is where I'm from. And my mom was like, I don't care what it is, she needs to do something. She can't be in the house. Whatever this is sounds great. Sure, fine. And that was when I was like first introduced to like theater because I'd never seen a show before. I mean, like, nothing. Um, and I was like, oh, this, this, this is this is what I want to do. This, this, this. this. Um, and I was crazy and I was in love. And then. Um, you know, I was able to go to the Performing Arts High School in um, D.C., and then my parents luckily um, also let me go study it for college, and that was it. But it was, it was. I have to thank my uncle all the time because I would not have, I probably wouldn't have known about it for so long. When I was 10, um, my church did, you know, the whole big trip to New York to see the Lion King on Broadway. We had, this is when it was still at the Amsterdam. We had seats in the balcony. Um, I mean, and I i was 100% sat behind a pole, like sat behind a pole, <laughs> so excited, like leaning on my mom, like because so I could see her on the pole. And I started crying. As soon as the first giraffe walked on the stage, I was yep. in tears. I was just like, <gasps> I, I couldn't breathe. I was just like, this is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen, I was obsessed with it. I used to like warm up when I was in high school to sing along to the Lion King soundtrack. I was just like, yeah, yeah.
0: Can I ask, how do you as as a performer deal with, you know, not taking, I guess, rejection too personally? Well,
1: um, the first thing that I will say is I am better about all of that now than I probably have ever been in my entire life. because the truth of the matter is it's easy to stay positive or just you know not have such a negative outlook when you're booking. You know, like that, it's so easy. And when I was younger, I went through a period where I, you know, for whatever reason, probably just straight naive confidence. I booked all the time. I booked, you know, like I was going from one job to another job to another job. Um, so it's easy then, because you don't have you don't have any words, you don't know anything else. Um And then that kind of starts happening i think every performer goes through a period where where it just feels like you cannot get the next thing like whatever momentum that you had kind of dissipates it just goes away and you don't and you don't know why and you spend so much time trying to figure out why the thing isn't happening and um unfortunately a lot of times you get stuck in the in the why isn't it instead of just being like it, it instead of accepting it um and i was stuck there for a while um, for a few years, um, not that I wasn't working, I was, I've um, been lucky enough to always um, consistently enough work, you know, in, it's hard not to compare yourself to other people. It, to me, it wasn't as consistent as I would have liked to be someone else. They were like, you're always working, you know? So it's, it's also a weird place to be in, to hear people say, you're always working when you yourself are like, I feel like I'm never working enough or not working the kind of things that you want to be working, which is also different, right? Um, so, it's tough. It's a very tough place um, to be. It takes a lot of mental fortitude. And we I think I will say therapy has saved me because all the mental fortitude that I thought that I had, I actually didn't have I I was just taking it on and not knowing how to do whatever with it, because we're kind of just taught to do that, you know, like you're just it's it just is what it is. Um, But Yeah, it wasn't until I started therapy that I was like, oh, I actually am not handling this. (laughs) Maybe the best, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of taking it and absorbing it and it's not going anywhere. Um, And it is a lot of rejection. What I do now between um, jobs, um, thanks to my lovely therapist, uh, I have a lot of things. It's not even between jobs so much anymore. It's all the stuff that I do before I even go into the job that's completely different. Um, I don't have the same... Um, need. I don't have the same attachment. I don't have the same desperation for jobs. So whether they come or not also feels different because I don't have, I'm not, I'm not attached to them the same way, which is um, really difficult. I had a hard time for a long time grasping the idea of like really wanting something, but being, but not like, but being able to let go of the attachment of it. Um, and I was not good at that for a really long time. I was like, I don't understand how you can want this thing, but then be like, I'm good if it doesn't happen, but how can you really put yourself in it if you don't want I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. My therapist and I fight a lot. But I was just like, um, but you know, now that I understand it more, and I will say there are still some times where where I kind of feel at it and I have to, you know, kind of let the thing go again and you know, build build it back up. But I'm so much better at it now. And that's really that's really what's helped is just I enter everything differently.
0: Do you find that a lot of people struggle with uh, the idea of until they make it there? Um, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. I, I will say I am one of those people. Am was um, all of that, and I will say it, it's a it's a big thing in the industry. Um, the 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 industry is set up to make you believe that if you don't if you're not on Broadway then you haven't made it whatever that means. Um, it's also one of the things I really wish I, when I was in school and I went to Penn State, good program, all those kinds of things. I learned a lot there. But one of the things that I really wish they had focused more on is all of the opportunities outside of Broadway. Broadway is so small in comparison to all of the theater work, film work that can happen. And if you think about New York and you think about how many Broadway theaters there are, like 40 or whatever, however many there are, right? Not a like, not hundred. Yeah even if there were a hundred and each show had X, Y, and Z amount of people in it, a thousand people, there's only less than a thousand people who are on Broadway at any one given time, right? There's a million actors in New York. So the market is so saturated. There's, there's just no, it's an unachievable goal that we don't talk about. Not everyone is going to be on Broadway. It's just the numbers, the numbers don't exist for it to be a possibility. So the fact that we are like, the only way that you can make it is if you're on broadway but we're talking we're you know all these people are paying for degrees and t- paying for all this training you're saying you can be an actor but the only way that you're a real actor is if you're on broadway but Broadway only you know can support a thousand people working at a time is we have to do better about that in my opinion like we're it's a it's a, sense, a false sense of hope for so many people in so many ways i do a lot of um like um Master classes and stuff now with kids. And I don't, I'm not, I try my best, because kids are my soft spot, not to discourage you. I'm like, if you want to get to Broadway, it's absolutely possible, it's attainable, If it's for you and then it'll work out. But just know that there are a million other things that you can do and still feel the same, you know, the same amount of joy, the same amount of love, the same amount of um, whatever, explosive positive energy, you know, for, for those things, it doesn't have to be Broadway. But yeah, there definitely is like this end all be all. And I think that that happens, um, you know, I, as I talk to like my sisters and my other friends who aren't in theater at all, it it actually happens in every, you know, every career. There's always like a, you know, if you're a doctor, it's good if you live, at, you know, if you work in a hospital, but you want to get your own practice or you like all the things, there's always like something else that you could do. Um, and I guess it's always nice to kind of like have a goal, but... Again, here's the therapy coming. If you have this goal that you're always reaching for, then what do you You want you to attain it, right? And then you're at this goal. And then then I feel like that's also something that no one talks about is like, we all have this goal of Broadway and I would love to talk to people who've kind of been on Broadway for a while. And then you get there and it's like, okay, well now what do I do? So you kind of always have to be okay with that. Oh, this was a great place to be, where
0: else can I go? When you're preparing for a character, And I guess even during the process, what do you do to like channel a character and get in touch with them better?
1: Um, It kind of changes all the time. Um, Just depending, there are some characters that I connect with immediately and I'm like, okay, I think I get this this person. Um, And so I, you know, those kind of have an easier time. There are some characters where I'm like, who, who do I know that reminds me of this person? And that's usually where I'm like, okay, this part, this character seems to me to be like my aunt. So then I'll just like, I'll play my aunt, you know what I mean? Because I, I have a hard time for me. I'm always looking for things that connect me to a character because I don't really want to me i feel like if if the character doesn't have some of you in them then it's never quite right it's never it never feels real so i am always like what how am i connected to this character and if i can imagine someone that i know that helps me because i'm like okay well i know that i'm i'm connected to that person anyway so that you know so i never want to feel like i'm putting on a a character i'm like okay i'm gonna be my aunt i know this person like that makes that helps me like, like okay i know this person I get it, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, the easiest and most difficult one was when I played the Lion and the Wiz because I don't know any lions, obviously. So it's just like, well, what do you do? You're playing a lion. Um, but it was, it was so crazy when it happened. It's a role that I've always wanted to play and I've never talked about it because it's usually a male role. And um, I just always wanted to play it and I was in auditions for it I just have always loved in line. I think that he has, that role has like the best songs. And I think that it's funny and like, that's just so me. Like I always want to play like that. That's like what I want to do. It's so, it's so interesting. It's just so interesting. And um, when I was a child in the same summer program, I we did the Wiz and I was Eveline in the Wiz, obviously I was a big witch. <laughs> and so when I was initially going in for this, I was, I went in for Eveline and then I got called back for something. I got called back for maybe Evelyn and the lion. And I was like, wait, do they want me to do both? The what is happening right now? Cause I was just so confused by that. And then my agent was like, no, like they want to see you for this and for this. And I was like, oh, okay. And immediately I was like, I really want this lion. Like I almost didn't even go over the sides for the other part. Cause I was like, I don't want to do that anyway. I, I, I was kind of like lion or bust was where I was. Um, but <laughs> once I got it, and just realized, well, first of all, it's always people playing it, so you don't have to worry about being a lion. But it was so me, I was so I was so connected to that character. I was like, this is me, I'd be scared, I'd be running around, I'm goofy. And my director, Robert O'Hara, who is amazing, he directed Slave Play, I think that was the last show that he had on Broadway. Um, he let me do anything he was like whatever you want he's like your instincts are great like whatever you want to do i was like literally running through the audience in tuts in houston like just being a lion Ly- i have never had such like a great experience with a character that was like the most fun
0: brought up was- such a great point about tapping into people that you know because as a medium um it's funny I wasn't expecting to find that parallel there and, and and but here's what's crazy. People will ask me all the time do you hear what they sound like? And it's it's interesting. the best way I can describe it is yes and no. So first mm-hmm. off, I don't hear um, your average medium is really not gonna and we'll get to ghost in, in a couple minutes because when you watch ghost, Oda may hears him like we hear each other. If you're watching mm-hmm. at home, like she hears him just like human to human, you know, speaking that, right. that both alive. I don't. Um, so clear, clear audience or the ability, clear hearing for me, the way it works is, and I always use this example at um, when I try to tell people I would, if, if you're watching at home, I would, I might say, ready, close your eyes. Can you hear James Earl Jones's voice? almost 100% of you, unless like you live under a rock are going to say, yep, I can hear it. You know, it's this beautiful, deep, distinguished voice, Um, you know, or so what happens with me is it feels like a thought that's being popped in there, but I can hear the tone of the voice or if there's somebody I know um, or so for example, if there's a character I know from a TV show, that loved one will show me or I'll hear a line spoken like somebody. So I know they're giving me reference points. So if I, I'm a huge eighties uh-huh. fan and I love the facts of life. So if I hear somebody talking like Mrs. Garrett, I would go, oh, mm. grandma has a real screechy voice. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh yeah, so no, I didn't directly hear grandma talk, but Graham used right. Mrs. Garrett Charlotte Ray as the springboard. Um, so that's kind of, or if I hear, you know, Joe from the facts of life, I'll go, Oh, were they from the Bronx? And they'll say, Yes. So they're going to rapid fire throw <laughs> things at me, right? Or, a really bad Bronx accent, you know, where, you know, um, I wasn't talking to you Blair, uh, but I mean, uh, that's how they, that's how it works for me. And I, I think it's cool because they will try a rapid fire to get me thinking as quick as I can. Um, so I want to talk to you about, about Oda Mae because once I found out that you played her, I was so, I was so excited um, because so obviously uh, if, if you're watching at home and, and you don't know ghosts, which, you should. If you don't, again
1: under a rock, but okay.
0: Under a rock, like I, guess. I mean, I I probably knew it too early. I was like six, like pretending to like move the penny up the wall and stuff like that, and um, like yeah, but anyway, I was
1: definitely young.
0: It's and it that movie scared me as a kid. The the part with the me too gremlins, the
1: spirits coming to get people. I I don't that I not like gremlins. That. I was scared of all kind of stuff. I was like, no, 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 no.
0: I did not like it at all, and it's funny because Bryce Joel, was it. Um uh Ruben, uh the 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 screenplay writer who also wrote the musical, they they adapted it a little bit. He mm-hmm. believed, I mean, what was neat is that he believed the way the film is presented, those were all his beliefs on the afterlife. And I guess when you were starting to play a medium, and it's interesting too because you also have to be faithful to the script where Oda Mae is not legit, you know what I mean, until she is all of a sudden. But did you do any type of research on mediums and, and what did you find? I did the briefest of search on mediums
1: for that very reason because May is a charlatan.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I didn't want to do too much um, research on mediums, just because that's not actually what she did. This She was kind of playing at this thing and very, I mean, may I add, very poorly. She's <laughs> like playing at being a medium so poorly. So I, I kind of researched like, what I thought if I was May and I wanted to start a medium business but didn't know anything about it what would it be like the bare minimum basics that I would need to just kind of understand in order to get it that was kind of all I looked up, right so I looked up um like I kind of looked for like mediums in New York and psychics and you know all that kind of stuff especially ones that were like operated like kind of out of home I went to I went to two two psychics you know like when you're like on 8th Avenue there's with the Some sign, standing, yeah with a sign and i was so just like little, and i and i went
0: candle.
1: and a little and like a little table and she's <laughs> passing out cards and i just kind of went to just so i just got i get because in my mind that's what Odame did she was in harlem doing that right and um just so i didn't look into a, a crazy bunch just because I I knew that I wanted it to be more of a surprise, like really truly for what this, you know, for this woman and like for her to be really freaked out that it actually happened for her as opposed to her being like, well, yeah, I guess I kind of I knew that it might happen one day because I kind of, because I knew about it because she really, she had no clue. She thought it was all lies too, you know what I mean? So she was just like, all right, well, I know that I need to say these words or like these words are triggers or I need to pretend like I'm hearing this voice and, um, you know, like all these kinds of things. And also, what I know is I need to ask for money up front, like, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So, um, what was inter- the most interesting thing about that particular role was trying not to, because if you are familiar with the movie, it's so hard. Whoopi Goldberg won an Oscar for that movie. So, it's so hard not to do Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> it's just it's just so hard. It's because all of the big lines are her lines. Yeah. All of the, you know, Miley, M- 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 you M- a M- M- danger M- girl, all that right. stuff. That's all. All the lines that you remember are her lines. So it's just like, how do we do this, and you know, make it funny, but make it Allison Odomay funny and not Wilbur go Because I've met Wilbur Goldberg. She's so lovely. She's so nice. She actually looks just like my mom. Like my mom was just like Wilbur Goldberg, mm-hmm. which is always been interesting. Yeah, I'll show you a picture. I brought a picture of my grandma too. Um, but yeah, like it was. It took a. It took a little bit of time for me to just get out of the. Um. To get out of her rhythm and, and actually get into yeah. my own rhythm with it, so that was another reason I was like, I don't really, I want to. How would I feel if I was if I was doing this thing, and I knew it was a lie, and then for out of nowhere for it to be like, oh no, this is actually real, and now I have to deal with all this stuff. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I know because I I had googled because I. So at, I found it fascinating back in the 1800s um, and early 1900s, there were there was what was called parlor tricks, if you're watching at home, and Oda Mae's um, studio thrives off them. So, for example, there's a, a there's a fake closet with a false backing. So the mm-hmm. medium would come through the, the false backing and, you know, she would pop out or there were the table tricks or sometimes they would have people in black in the room with black gloves on or um, and it's funny when you see some of these new shows like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Broadway, and even Matilda. Some a lot of the illusion that's being done is through the old parlor tricks that media, yeah. um, you know, ectoplasm, and you know they had things already in their in their in their mouth that they would spit up. And um, there was just one that I learned about where they had kids that would go in the walls, and then they would have apples on strings. And so when they would do like the alphabet, where they would try to. Um, they would go through each letter of the alphabet, and then when the noise would happen, it was like the spirit signum. Signif- mm. letter the Kids would run in the halls, uh, in the walls, and hit the walls with apples. So, um, I know I, it's it's so funny that I feel like that mentality still kind of pervades um, some people's thoughts when when they think of mediums, and then and then yeah. about me, and I I just have like nothing in front of me. You know what I mean? Like I, and I'm just like. Oh, okay. Like there's, there's no, there's like no showmanship, obviously. And there's, right. There's and and
1: we're, I'm like, not even with you in the room. So like, even if you did have stuff there, I'd still be like, well, now I'm just looking at yeah, Jimmy and he's having a bunch of stuff happening there, but I'm completely detached from, I don't know what's going on with him. What <laughs> he fun story crazy over though. there.
0: So at our house, every, <laughs> every I, I laugh about this story to this day, everything on our house is automated. So we have all the smart lights and um, all the Philips Hue and whatnot. And it broke my heart like years ago. And I I had, <laughs> I had to clarify, so I have a client come in and you know, this is when I was doing readings out of the home office and um, I, I sit her down and I'm like I've got your grandma here and I'm like is th-? I'm like I've got this name and she's like oh yeah that's my mom's my mom's mom, and I'm like giving her specific pieces of information. However, you can set up your home automation so at certain times of the day you can change the light. So if it's seven yeah. p.m. you want it to run like be a more relaxing tone. So 7 p.m. hits right as I bring forward the grandmother and the lights change, and so this woman's like, "Grandma, is that you?" And I'm like, "No, I'm like that's not Grandma. I'm like, I'm I'm like, Grandma's here." But I'm like, "Sorry, sorry, not- sorry." <laughs> so I guess going into going into the to the you know talking about mediums and mediumship, can if there's anything that you feel comfortable sharing, um, since you had just been to psychics really, and I think not mediums, right? You you hadn't been to a medium, right, before. Before- no, I had
1: not been to a medium. They're actually a lot harder to come by than than one
0: might think. When I meet somebody, I'm like, "Don't tell me anything." I always say, "Don't feed the medium. Don't tell us more than we need to know." Because uh, you know, it and that's not to discredit, you know, um, you know, that's not to discredit people with psychic ability, by the way, or from right. earlier. But it, you know, psychics, it's a lot easier to just go, "Oh, I think this is coming for you," or "I think this is because." 10 minutes later, you're gone. You know what I mean? You're gone from that experience. The medium, you you hit the nail on the head. We have to provide evidential information, aka right. specific things that no one else would know. And there's that moment in Ghost that I could be watching. It. I remember when I when the tour came to Buffalo, um, I remember tearing up at, because they hit the nail on the head. It's when Oda May gets brought down to Brooklyn and um, she... You know, hits the buzzer at Molly's door and she was like, Look, mm-hmm. I've got your, I've got your, I've got Sam here. Who is that? Yeah. And, and then finally she was like, You know, um, he loves you. And she's like, He would never say that. And she goes, Leave me alone. And then Otome says, Ditto. And yeah, I have goosebumps right now talking about it. And that's, I mean, that type of stuff, it might not be a specific word like that. But it, when you go to a medium, you, you know, that's what we strive to do is to bring forward those little bits of information that no one else would know because that's how we have to validate that this was right the one because you can't just go well I've got grandma here statistically everyone has everyone has lost their grandmother you know yeah. and then if, if you are you know if you are a charlatan like Oda Mae, they might go oh um sorry maybe it was a great great grandma um, right or, oh, that's oh they made me you try good. to finesse it to yeah. make it work what yeah. may goes you know is it a woman she's like no is it a man she goes yes oh i knew it you know it's and, and it. you know where you know as as a medium you have to just tune in and and listen and and if you're wrong on something like if i misread something i'm straight up gonna say all right i misread that you know that that's my bad um you know instead of going oh you know oh, oh i that's that's what i thought that's what i was gonna say that's bad yeah. practice bad practice so um can I I guess if you feel comfortable sharing can you share anything about about our reading together like what did you make of it
1: yes so I will be so honest I came into it very open uh, but I had no real thoughts or feelings I was like I don't know if I um believe in mediums or not I will say that had this opportunity come up before my therapy years, which is easily over three years ago now, I probably wouldn't have done it. Cause I'd been like, no, thank you. That doesn't seem like anything that I would be interested in. Um, but I'm just way more open to stuff now, you know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, you. sure. So, right. So, um, but I was like, this is interesting to me. Let me see. But I didn't I didn't come with any expectations is what I will say. I wasn't you know, expecting if it was good, being great. And if it wasn't, then I was like, well, that was a fun thing that I did that happened, carrying on. Um, And then you, you read me twice, actually, you like did a mini read when we were just like scheduling the read, which I kind of kept to myself because I was like, that was so accurate. I'm not really sure what to do about that. So I'm just going to wait for the whole read because maybe that was, maybe that was a fluke. That was like my, my, my brain is always trying to sabotage me, you know, that was my brain coming in and trying to like sabotage me. So I was like, I'll just keep it to myself. Then once we had our full read, once I had my full read, I, it was, so unbelievably accurate that I had to like cross check with my sisters. I was okay. like, no, wait. So, so uh, there was the one thing in particular that I was like, wow, um, you were very, I, I, I've lost both my grandmothers at this point. One of them I lost earlier this year, um, but one was my, my father's mother who had lost a while ago. And you were so adamant, you said she, your oldest sister knew her best. And I was like, yes, because she passed when I was very, very young, like nine months, maybe. You said she has your, your sister has something of your grandmother's. She has like a jewelry box yes. or jewelry in a box, and I just, and you kept saying, you kept saying, it, and I was like, I don't know. I, I had no clue. And so I just like very casually, my sisters and I talk every day. I was like, Hey, do you have like jewelry of grandma lilies or something? And she was like, like i was like i kept saying because you kept saying it's like jewelry or box she has a jewelry box i just kept saying jewelry and box my sister literally goes i have this music box of hers that she got from japan that i keep with all of my jewelry since i left mom and dad's house and i was like well everything is weird and upside down and it's crazy here and that's And they were like, what's going on you?" And I was like, I got read by a medium yesterday and I didn't know if I was going to tell you guys. And now I tell you everything. And then I was just like, (laughs) all these things. And they were like, (laughs) you went to a medium? I was like, I didn't go anywhere because of the pandemic, but I got read by one. It was, it was like, so I, cause I, I, again, I believed it. Like there were so many other things that happened that I knew were true that I didn't have any reason to really not believe it. Sure. But like, then that, I just was like, I'm just gonna ask. And then I asked, and it was so weird too. I talked to my mom the next day, just like randomly talked to her. Um, and we had talked a, a lot about like, uh, you know, about her and my her relationship with my grandmother, with her mom. Um, and so I was, I was just talking to her the next day. I didn't even tell her that I'd seen a medium. And she just started talking about my grandma, which she has not done since my grandmother passed. And I was just like, <laughs> and then a bird died on my balcony. And I was like, well, this is, <laughs> <laughs> and Which I texted you because I
0: was like, I
1: don't know what's happening.
0: And let's clarify uh, really quick oh, yeah. at home. If if mm-hmm. you some uh, this is a great learning moment, if you find a dead bird, if a bird hits your window, something like that that is actually not a bad thing. That signals um, release of pain, release of something that's- Apparently. Down, and it's all symbols of, of growth. <laughs> so if you find a dead bird, it is not something that, that you should fear.
1: This is probably, not probably, this is another one of the times in American history where we are at a revolution. We are at our own um, civil war, our own civil discourse, our own revolution, like we are yeah. here. This is like it is so interesting. Those two weeks that we did workshops and we were basically just learning about the American Revolution, learning about seventeen seventy six, learning about that whole time period. The, sim- the similarities <laughs> between then and now um, are, you know, insane. It's it's absolutely crazy. Um, so I think the show is needed in order to really have a better understanding of our country. Um, because I think one of the biggest misconceptions especially with this whole make America great again. And um, one of the one of the speakers we had um, we had lecturers from Harvard who um, talked to us during this, these workshops. And one of the things that he like was kind of beating into us was this idea that, that the country never ever really was truly great. It was an idea, um, but it never really was. So it's, you know, whenever people are saying we're, we're trying to get back to this greatness, it's like, it never existed. We never actually created it. This country was founded with men who were young with a few of them being on the older side, who fought with each other all the time, who, you know, disagreed about everything, who, you know, and they did not make a perfect document. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, these are not perfect documents. These are all ideas, and they 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 never were perfect. So the idea, of, you know, of us trying to get back to something that never was, you know, something that we should have, you know, like held on to so tightly anyway, is insanity. And it's why our country has not worked yet, because we keep saying, oh well, we just if we just be more like the founding fathers, like they were terrible. They slept with each other's wives and sued each other all the time, and they were awful. <laughs> They were awful, awful, awful. I mean, like there were some redeeming qualities about them, and everyone wants to bring up well Thomas Jefferson this and somebody released their slaves and blah and I'm like Thomas Jefferson didn't have slaves the whole time. He was Thomas Jefferson. Like it, it, it he, if we want to talk about like the pain of a person, like was he was he struggling as a human, I'm sure that he was. But he also did let this terrible thing go on for a very, very long time. I'm not saying like these people allowed these things to happen. This is this was not just because they yeah. did this one semi great thing if you, you know, however you want to say it, does not make them perfect. And we should not treat them as We should learn from the mistakes that they made and then correct them and move our country forward into the way that maybe they were thinking somewhere in their brains, even though they never really fleshed it all the way out that this country could be. So. Um, We 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 actually had a lot of talks about why it's important for this show to happen now, and um, why it's important for it to be told this way, and not you know because 1776 is a bunch about a bunch of middle-aged white men making rules. There are um, that is not what this cast is. (laughs) It's not going to be told from that perspective. Um, Our director is not that, and almost no one on our team really is that. Um, So it's just because the idea that has been presented to us is like taking this story and trying to kind of turn it on its axis and present it from a different angle so that people have a better understanding of what it is because if you keep hearing this representation matters because keep hearing the same story from the same perspective all the time then eventually that whether it's true or not is what becomes true right so how then do you correct that? That's really the, one of the biggest issues with America, right? Is that all the stories get told from the same perspective all the time, whether they're true or not. And most of the time, they just aren't true. There's a whole other thing that happened to this whole other set of people who remember it completely differently. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, and um <laughs> I'm trying to get it set, but it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's so important, um, especially because, people still even now try their best to like get you to not hear these other sides and to not understand it's like no that's not really true like even now it's just like yeah I think it's why it's important for it now so people can see like oh this thing that we keep trying to get back to it just like never actually existed so that if we can see that know it and accept it then we can actually start moving toward the thing that we want. That's, yes. that's what the issue is, right? It's like you, everyone have to accept it and then do the thing because right now we keep going, well, but what about, but what if, but what? It's like, no, that thing yes. never happened. We all collectively had to accept it so that we can now move forward and make this country that we're actually you know, trying to make.
0: And now it's time for some last minute questions. If you had to be a ghost and you were stuck in a the theater, for all of eternity, and you could only see one show over and over and over, what show would it be? Gypsy. Okay, we got to keep a tally now because that was, that was my choice. And that was already um, Jenny Denoya and Haley Pachoon. So this is like three, three out of uh, Gypsy. A good production of Gypsy. Not like- A not good like,
1: production of Gypsy.
0: Not like a bad one with like- not,
1: you
0: know, No, it's gotta be a like like like, high
1: school version. Like,
0: Any character that you've played in the past that you think would benefit most from seeing a medium?
1: Any character that I played in the past that
0: I think would. This one always. Anyone,
1: any character in the color purple. Okay. Would benefit from seeing a medium.
0: Yes. Any of them. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Performer that you met backstage that has left you starstruck. For a couple moments, you're like, whoa.
1: Um, there's, there's a bunch of people. I freaked out when I met John Tartaglia at the Muni, um, and then was in the show with him when I did, what was that? Oh, it was musical. Um, he played the cat in the hat. He was so good. Just unbelievably funny. I freaked out when I met Julia Murney. Um, I freaked out when I met Norm Lewis. (laughs) I freak out a lot. There's a lot of people that I'm like, and i'm a weird freak outer because i don't like to i don't want them to know that i'm freaking out so i'll just like stand and stare at them and like pretend so i don't want to be like that person i'm just like i'm just gonna wait till you're not busy and then i'm gonna come back and then i'm gonna walk away
0: (laughs) gotta thank you so much for for coming on this was this was yeah to have you um i'm gonna put your handle up there because not only are you this incredible performer, you also knit, right? You you have hats, you-, you...
1: I do. I have my own um, crochet and, and knitting page on the socials as well. And I saw, um, um, my cousin actually runs a store called Couture Du Jour on 44th and 9th. Um, and some of my things are being sold there, but I also have a page, up, um, an Etsy page. So I, I sell put things that there in... and it's the winter time, so.
0: There we go. And then when yeah. is back, get your butt over to New York and see her in 1776. It's gonna be great. So I thank you it's again. Great. And when I'm back in New York, we're getting coffee. We'll get Alex, we'll all meet up and we can talk some more.
1: Yay, that'd be lovely.
0: Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi everyone. I wanna thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you wanna learn more about Stage Door Medium, please feel free to give me a follow at Stagedoor Medium on Instagram stagestormedium.com, and on YouTube, Medium as well. I hope you're well, and we'll see you soon.